Broadcasting from our studios in Bromfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Leo Mob Justice Gavaza, and I'll be your host on today's show. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to keep you entertained, educated, and intrigued about the world of business. Now, as South Africa starts the process of uh, reopening the economy with its phased approach, uh, moving from a level five to level four, we thought it would be important to discuss the property sector we all need places to work during the day we all need places to sleep at night and uh, some people are paying rent some people are owning properties and receiving that rent other people are paying bonds their financial institutions that are receiving the money from those bonds so that's what we're going to be talking about today now on the 27th of march 2020 level 5 lockdown was implemented in south africa due to the coronavirus and everyone has been expected to stay at home ever since now a lot of individuals left their um, natural uh, habitats um, whether it be in a place like joburg if you're at school and they left their rental spaces and went home um, especially you know people like students now businesses and offices in the commercial spaces have also had to close down um, but now the question is does the economic decline and reduced occupancy rate mean that tenants are no longer liable to pay rent this is the question that most people have been asking themselves to help us navigate the topic for today, we're going to be talking to um, uh, Kaon Nthamele, who is uh, a real estate investment banker and co-founder of the New Era Property um, Investments, uh, together with Kilen Lovu, who is head of uh, listed property funds at Stanlib. Uh, they're both going to be giving us different flavors of what's going on from uh, the tenant side and from the landlord side, um, just on what's going on in and around um, COVID-19, the different lockdowns as well. We're also going to be hearing from you, our listeners, because we went out onto the streets uh, just to find out uh, what's going on, uh, how people are feeling. You know, some people are away from Johannesburg, but are still paying rent, um, where the landlords have been giving some relief, um, maybe by giving discounts or perhaps giving a certain amount of time in which uh, people don't have to pay rent. So we're going to be hearing your experiences and uh, we're definitely looking forward to that. Also coming up for the next hour, we're going to be getting into our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And we're also going to be getting into the Buffalo Index for the state of your 100 rand. Now remember that you can keep in touch with us. We are Voice of Vits uh, 88.1. And you can find us on Facebook that is Vow FM or Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page that is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Remember that you can also uh, find us and stream us live on VowFM.co.za. And remember that podcasts of the Business Buzz show are available on vits.journalism.co.za uh, forward slash business. You can also search and find our podcast on iono.fm, and all the other links are available there. So that's how the show is looking like. Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats. Uh, we're here for the next hour. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Rap with Ken Sweatman.
It's time for us to get into the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line to help us unpack uh, some of the issues for the week um, is uh, our financial expert, Ken Swettenham. Um, we haven't spoken to him in some time. I guess this is, these are the results uh, of uh, the lockdown. We haven't been on air as much as we wish we had. Um, but, uh, you know, we're happy to talk to Ken and, uh, you know, have him, you know, tell us what's been going on over the last uh, couple of weeks. Ken, how are you? I'm extremely well, considering the circumstances we all find ourselves under, as you've pointed out. And uh, yeah, working from home and working remotely and, and learning a lot of new technologies, I think, like, like a lot of people. Huh? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. We're glad that you are finding ways to adapt to the new situation. But uh, in terms of the markets, what has um, what has happened, I guess, during the period of the lockdown in terms of um, what's been going on there, I think... Um, we've heard about the oil price. We've seen the rand, you know, stuff like that. But uh, from your viewpoint, what has what has the lockdown done to South Africa? Oh goodness me! I don't know if we can really put it in just just the, the few minutes that we have. So I'll go through it as quickly as I possibly can. The, the we 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 were in a poor economic state even before the lockdown, and, and the lockdown is really really hit us hard. On top of that, where Moody's finally downgraded us uh, earlier this month, uh, it's been coming a long time. And there's a lot of people who said, oh, it's like kicking the country when it's already down, but it, it was coming. Um, lockdown or not, we, we were going to get the upgrade. I uh, sorry, sorry, the downgrade. And, um, and Fitch and, in fact, just in the last day or two, S&P have also downgraded our economy even further. So that, that's not good news. Um, we all know about the job unemployment situation. We had a 29% unemployment rate. I've heard rumors about make up as high as 50% as some companies may not survive, particularly companies in the tourism industry, restaurants. Um, we know with, with the level four lockdown starting, the, some businesses are allowed to go back, but restaurants can't. Um, the the uh, tourism cons certainly big big problems in the tourism and the hotel industry, and uh, there's a chance of, of big, bigger job losses. On the markets, just quickly, we we saw a huge drop in the market in March as the, the markets came to terms with lockdowns not only in South Africa but around the world. But we've had a very nice recovery during April, which is rather surprising, as I think the market has priced in the economic meltdown, and um, we've had we're still down approximately 15% year to date, but uh, we've had a good recovery. Our currency has weakened dramatically, um, and that's probably because of, of the downgrades and, and the lockdown combined. And at the moment, trading around 1865 to the US dollar, 2344 to the pound, and 2045 to the euro. Um, the oil price you mentioned, that dropped because simply because of the no demand for oil while people are driving and airplanes aren't flying, nobody's buying oil, so the oil price is tanked to its lowest levels in years. We got a huge oil uh, petrol price cut in April, we're going to get another one in May, um, but nobody's driving to, to have advantage of that lower petrol price. And uh, it affected shares like Cecil. The Cecil share price also dropped tremendously. Anybody who holds um, the Cecil in Zolo shares will have, will have taken a knock on that. But yes, it's, it's, it's been a, a very interesting month and um, in, in a 
about two minutes. I hope I've tried to summarize it there for you. <laughs> no, no, no. We really appreciate that. But I guess going forward, because um, as you did mention, today is day one of South Africa sort of um, starting this phased reopening of the economy. Um, are we are we likely to? Would you say that this is when I guess the recovery starts, albeit very slowly? Um, would you say this is where the recovery starts, or um, do we? Is that something that will sort of have to be seen in the long term? Well, the, the answer to both those questions is yes. I think it will start a bit of a recovery, effectively from Monday, as today is not a working day. Um, that will uh, slowly but surely feed into the economy, but very slowly. But we're not going to see an overnight change. And uh, your listeners mustn't think that suddenly the, the stock market's going to go up 20% in a week. It, it's not. But it's certainly, we hope, the start. The, the, the government has threatened to take us back to level five, with, we have a spike in, in COVID-19 infections. We hope that doesn't happen. And uh, we'll probably be, I'm guessing, a month, possibly two months even on level four, and then we'll move on to level three. Level three will allow more businesses to open. They will allow uh, limited international and domestic flights. And as things, the economy slowly but surely it takes itself out of intensive care, we will start seeing improvements. But it's, it is going to be a long, slow process. And... Uh, I don't think we're going to see any major changes to where we are now economically for oh, six, six months, perhaps, uh, getting towards the end of the year before we start seeing the fruits of the economy reopening. Okay. So that's been it. It's a very somewhat bleak outlook that's coming um, from our financial expert, Ken Swettenham, just uh, giving us a roundup. In summary, uh, as he said, you can't uh, really explain everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks in uh, in two minutes but he tried to do it as best as he could uh talking about what's been going on um in terms of the stock market what happened uh in terms of uh, the oil markets we're meant to um get another price uh price drop in fuel in the coming weeks uh, but as he said hardly anyone will be there to really take advantage of it at the same time you know um he's saying that f- as from monday as we you know get into proper phase four, people start going back to work on Monday. It uh, it starts contributing to the recovery, but very very slowly because um, depending on the infection rates, um, there might be a swing back to level five, um, which would not bode well for our prospects. So thank you so much to Ken. On the other side of this, we get into um, the Buffalo Index. Keep it locked, Business Buzz. Business Red with Ken Sweatman. Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the Buffalo Index. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of what your 100 Rand looks like for today. And because we are moving from level 5 to level 4 of the lockdown in South Africa, uh, we thought that an interesting issue to look at is uh, what's been going on in the cigarette market. Um, Some early indications were that uh, as we move uh, from one stage to the other that people would be allowed to uh, purchase cigarettes once again uh, but at the last minute it seems that uh, the government uh, decided to go against this issuing a uh, 
an order that said that um, cigarettes, just like uh, alcohol, would not be allowed um, to be to be bought um, when people when the country moves to level four. Sorry. Um, so for today, we are looking at what your one hundred rand can do for you in terms of uh, the cigarette market. Uh, some of the more typical cigarettes. Uh, that are available in the market, such as your your Camel Activate Purple, uh, that's coming in for about uh, about uh, uh, two 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 fifths of a buffalo, so you can get about uh, two and a half packets. Yeah, it's a thirty eight rand fifty, and then you can get a Chesterfield Panther Cools uh, that are um, around a thirty rand, so you can get about three for your buffalo, and then uh, Chesterfield Reds uh, are about forty rand, so you can get about two and a half for those. And then if you need to light up that cigarette, uh, you can get about twenty lighters for your one buffalo so each one is coming in at five rand now looking at the more premium side of uh, the market um, as we tend to do sometimes on the business bus i'm looking at some of the more expensive um, cigarette brands from around the world um, according to improv uh, which is a men's lifestyle magazine Uh, some of the top five uh, most expensive uh, cigarette brands in the world include dunhill cigarettes um, which are at number five on the list um each pack will set you back uh you know ju- not just over but like less than a buffalo so it's around 166 rand which means uh your buffalo can get you maybe two-thirds of a pack and then at number four you have uh a parliament and then uh, the parliament hybrid pack um is available for about the same price so your buffalo gets you about two-thirds of a pack and then you have a uh, vogue cigarettes uh slightly cheaper your buffalo can actually score you a uh, can actually score you a pack and a bit uh, which uh, coming in at uh, 75 rand which means a pack and a third and then at number 2 you have a uh, so brain black russians uh, which actually go for this is where things become a bit more expensive. Uh, the your buffalo can only get you less than a half uh, because you need about uh, two and a half buffaloes to get this at two hundred and thirty-seven rand. And then at number one, uh, you have the English-based um, uh, cigarettes made by the Chancellor Tobacco Company. Uh, the brand is called Treasure, and it is said to be hands down the most expensive cigarette brand in uh, the world. Um, their Treasure aluminum black brand uh, comes in for 1240 rand uh, for one pack of cigarettes uh, so you need 12 buffaloes just to get um, one of those packs and then their treasurer aluminum gold uh, comes in for triple uh, quad one so that's 1111 rand uh, so that means you need about 11 or 11 or so buffaloes uh, to get a pack of those so that's been it in terms of our Buffalo Index for today. And uh, we just hope that in future, when it comes to some of these announcements, that there will be just a little bit more clarity because I think what really killed people when it came to this whole cigarette issue this time around was just that there was some hope that had been given to people and it seems to have been taken away. Otherwise, on the other side of this, we continue with the show as we get into the main topic. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. More justice on The Business Buzz. 
Now, as I said at the start of the show, we went out and asked you um, how you're feeling about uh, having to pay rent. If you um, have been in town or not in town, how are you managing? Have you been speaking to your landlords? If you're a landlord, you know how you're feeling. And uh, this is what people had to say. I personally think that people should not pay rents during this lockdown because many companies are closed and some of these companies won't be able to pay their employees full salaries during this uh, lockdown and other companies won't be able to pay at all. So people can't really depend on their UIFs because nobody knows how long will this pandemic last. And beside this, there are people who are self-employed such as mechanics, plumbers and street vendors as well. These people were able to wake up in the morning, go to hustle, and by the end of the month, pay off their rents. So things have changed now. Things are no longer the same. Now they have to stay indoors, you know, even if it's, even if they can try maybe uh, their businesses, there are not enough customers for them to support them. So for me, rent is no at this time. But I'm not saying landlords should suffer. Hence, I'm saying government should do something. To me, what's important is the relationship between the lessee and the leaser. Um, in the past week, we've seen the government's stressing of the no eviction rule for the lease contract holders, but for residency in bid to stop the, the spread of the coronavirus and not to render people um, homeless. But there was no stress in um, the, the property element of of things so if the two parties the lease and the lease can come to an amicable um, agreement that obviously will be a compromise for both parties bearing in mind that both parties are companies or entities that are both you know under this regard not making an income due to the coronavirus um, pandemic then yeah they have to compromise and um, negotiate of course um they won't i don't think that uh, that the, the lease call the other lease the lessee won't pay anything but it shouldn't be for price as the lessee also is not making an income right now on the business bus Welcome back to the business buzz. Today we are talking about the property sector and how it has been um, affected by the COVID-19 crisis, um, by the different lockdowns um, around the world, but especially here in South Africa. We want to take a look at uh, what's been going on um, from tenants' point of views, from landlords' point of view, just to understand um, what's going on out there because it's a very important industry. We all need places to uh, to sleep we all need places to work but these places cost money and at the moment the economy um, has uh, you know is looking like it's going to be shrinking by quite a bit but before we get into that remember that you can engage with us on we are our firm that's voice of vids on facebook you can also find our other facebook page that is um, vids radio academy and then on twitter we're at our firm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz so to get into the first part we're going to be looking at um, what the prospects are looking like for property owners, uh, for landlords and people that are in charge of receiving, I guess, amounts uh, from tenants. And uh, we're going to be talking to uh, 
Akawone Antlamele, who is uh, uh, from the real estate, who is a real estate investment banker and co-founder of uh, New Era Property Investments. Akawone, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, no, no, doing all right. Thank you so much uh, for, you know, being uh, part of the show and, uh, you know, availing yourself to us. No problem, man. Um, got a lot of time on my hands. Um, with that in mind uh, i like the fact that you have started on that point of view you know before we sort of get into the meat of the discussion how have you found uh, the last uh, couple of weeks you know and the lockdowns uh the lockdowns phase one you know and then we got into uh, some people calling it season two um and then (laughs) you know how have you guys found it i guess as a business and uh you know from where you're sitting how has the sector found it i I think um things have been a lot more busier than i thought they would have been going into the lockdown um it's also given us as a business an opportunity to look at things that we had not thought about before from a risk perspective and i mean this this speaks for everybody on every front people weren't anticipating something like this so um it's given us much needed introspection and time to sit down and actually get our ducks in a row before we the president lays us free and then I guess uh, from a revenue point of view, what's what's been what I guess what's been happening on that end? Because I can imagine that for property owners, one of the big concerns at the moment is uh, bond payments. How do those things work? Uh, what are some of the other expenses that you guys, as uh, property owners, uh, have to you know have to contend with and make uh, make decisions about? I mean, it's difficult because. Um, investment company focuses primarily on student accommodation um, and with schools being closed and kids being sent back home uh, it's been a difficult conversation to have with a lot of the tenants uh, especially around repayments of the, of the rentals, of the monthly rentals as far as bond payments to the bank are concerned those are, those are all discussions that we're having with our different lenders um, we don't even need to have those discussions. But everyone's affected, um, and it's a difficult conversation. It works on that sort of case by case thing with every tenant. Because so if some tenants have actually decided to stay and spend their lockdown period within the, the, the units that we have. And yeah. I think the point that you're bringing out about um, having those difficult conversations um, with tenants, you know, stuff like that. Can you perhaps uh, give us some color around what the legal, I guess that's the right words to use, what the legal relationship is between a tenant and uh, and a landlord? Are there any concessions that can be made, you know, during this time or are tenants, I guess, by law, just bound to keep paying um, rent as normal despite everything that's going on? You know, unfortunately, everyone who's bound by a contract leading into the lockdown period or this coronavirus pandemic has just honored that contract. So um, lease agreements, those are the, the legally binding contracts between any landlord and their tenant. Um, what this does is it makes available the unit or the piece of property to the tenant 
for specified amount of months, usually 12 months, but lease agreements can go up to 24 months, and in the commercial space, it can go up to 5 to 10 years. So it, it gives the, the, the tenant access to that building or to that to the use of that that unit. And what it does is that it restricts the landlord from actually renting it out to anybody else for that given time. So uh, because of the lockdown, unfortunately, um, talks around income have been affected from all fronts. And this presents a problem when it comes to repayments of either the bond as the landlord to the bank or the rental amounts as the tenant to the landlord. Uh, so those are the difficult conversations that I'm, that I'm speaking to, but the obligation is still there. I mean, Mudiwa, um, when you take, for example, uh, how can I put this? Your car. You get a car, you get a, a loan for your car from the bank, but your car's parked in the driveway for two weeks out of the four weeks in a month. You can't uh, go to the bank and say, I'm going to pay you half of my installment for the month because the car has technically only been used for two weeks. So those are the, the, the obligations that are that are expected to be fulfilled from a tenant perspective, as well as from a landlord's perspective, because they've also got a bond to pay to the bank. So those are the, in a nutshell, the conversations that are had. It definitely does sound like this thing is not just a, like a one-sided thing, um, that there are obligations on all fronts. And I guess, you know, some people, I like the, I like the fact that you are explaining the, the car example, because I guess in the minds of some people, um, they're saying to themselves, well, I'm, I'm a student and, Perhaps uh, student accommodation in my area has been closed down because the university has been closed down. I've been isolating. Um, I learn in Johannesburg, but I've been isolating at my home in, in Durban over the last four weeks. Do you really expect me to, to be paying that rent? But I guess if a person's stuff is in the house, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it becomes difficult to argue against. And then, and then, uh, on the other one, uh, this one has also uh, come up a little bit in debates and discussions around this matter, and that's um, this issue of debt relief um, that's being given by some of the financial institutions when it comes to um, the deferment of uh, certain payments, maybe reducing installments and stuff like that. Is this realistically something that landlords can um, perhaps uh, consider giving to tenants or do the financial obligations down the line um, in the supply chain also hinder landlords from being able to um, give that much flexibility to tenants? It, it, it sort of does because, like you're saying, there's accountability and obligations uh, across the entire sort of value chain of the property. So for a landlord, you're obligated to make your payments. And sometimes the bank will allow for payment holidays, or maybe relaxed payment terms because of this whole COVID-19 thing. But all that means is if they give you a three-month payment holiday, it means they're adding three months to your bond uh, duration. So it's not that you're not going to pay those amounts. It's just that you're going to pay them at a later stage. And all that means is that the interest compounded on the entire amount will be a bit more. It's a negligible figure, but it will be a bit more. Now, passing those sort of payment holidays onto the tenant becomes difficult in that the contract that you have with the tenant is a 12-month lease, for example. 
anything beyond that 12 months, the tenant is not liable to pay. So if you give them a payment holiday for three months, that means you're only getting income for nine months of the entire contract, Yeah. which becomes a difficult thing to reconcile as a landlord because on the one hand, you're actually liable to paying those amounts, whether it's now or at a later stage. But on this side, you've given somebody that, that payment break. So it's, it's, it's a case-by-case thing, but I don't think it, it's, it's feasible for any landlord to give any payment holiday. And look, I mean, there are ways around these things. Um, and as, as tenants, I don't think there's a lot of education in the market. And there's a lot of confidence to approach landlords with uh, proposed reduced rental. Uh, for example, we've seen in the past two months, uh, repo rate has gone down by 200 basis points. That means the prime has gone down by 2%. Now, I, I'm just going to give you a, a sort of a breakdown of what this means. Somebody paying between 19500 to 20000 on a bond repayment two months ago is going to pay between sixteen and 17000 today. So that's a 2000 rand savings just because the repo rate has gone down. Now, if you know this as a tenant and you understand that your income has been affected, maybe type out an email to your landlord saying, listen, because of this, uh, we understand that you get some relief from the bank. And because my income has been affected, I'm only earning 70% of what I usually do. Could we reduce the rentals by X amount for the next three months? See, now that's, that's a conversation that's more flexible and will be heard, will be, will be taken in better by the landlord. That makes any sense. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, for those that are listening, that is some valuable, very valuable advice. I didn't know that because you think that a two percent, a two percentage point, two, 2.5 uh, percentage point decrease in the in interest rates, you don't really understand what it translates to in real life until you give a concrete example like that. Exactly. And, and it's, it's that thing that I was discussing, I was saying earlier, a lot of the problem with the market right now is that the lack of education and people don't actually read the lease agreements. Uh, people don't actually read their contracts with their banks, whether it's taking up um, a car or a house. People just know that they're paying 5,000 rand at the end of the month to get the car for five years or 5,000 rand at the end of the month to get use of the house for 12 months. But if you understand the contract, then it's better to, then, then you're in a better position to, to sort of not contest it, but, you know, in times like these, you can make an argument for yourself that can help you and your family in these, in these times. Okay. I guess as we, as we end off the discussion, um, the future is uncertain right now. Um, what are some of the distinct risks at the moment for property owners, for landlords, uh, for people managing properties, um, that you're seeing, you know, one would think, um, issues of foreclosure, that sort of thing. But from your vantage point, what are you seeing as the distinct risks at this time for landlords and property owners? You know, I think the risks are what they are. Uh, a lot of people are gonna are gonna have to lose their properties to the banks because they're gonna be defaulting on payments, and this could be due to the fact that their income is affected or their tenants aren't paying, whatever the case is. So the banks will take over the properties; they will then sell them. But obviously, there's a whole process. The banks won't take this after one defaulted payment. Uh, it's bank specific as well, but the banks will end up repossessing a lot of the units. Um, on the flip side, 
there are risks, uh, as I've highlighted, but there are also opportunities. Um, things like these, these economic crises, crises, what happens is that they present um, an opportunity for buyers going forward. So it then just flips quickly to a buyer's market where a lot of people are in a position to pick up properties that are sold off in auctions at a cheaper rate than they would have, say, three months ago, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there are risks of losing your, your, your property to the bank if you're not making the, the, the installments or not getting your income from the tenants if you're not making the money. But there are also opportunities to actually buy if you have access to that financing or that funding. Okay, cool. Um, and then lastly, um, can you just give us a flavor of what your business actually does and how people could perhaps engage with you? So what we do is we run a property investment company. It basically runs as a sort of a stock file where contributions are made monthly by all the members. And what we do is we manage these funds. We then buy property. The main focus for now in our three-year strategy is focusing on student accommodation, a property that will give you a higher cash flow and we're not so focused on, on, on capital gains. But as we go forward, that strategy is going to shift uh, slightly. But this is all dependent on how far we get and when we reach whatever milestone we, we intend on reaching. So what we do is we just, we've gathered a whole lot of people. We've asked them to make contributions. Everybody's on the same footing as far as ownership is, is involved, is concerned. And there's a team that manages the funds and we make uh, investment decisions based on a lot of things, including now the macro economy, which is affected by the COVID-19. Okay. So that's been us uh, talking to uh, Kaunen Mele, who is um, a real estate investment banker and co-founder of uh, New Era Property Investments, giving us a view of uh, some of the risks um, and opportunities, actually, for uh, property owners, uh, landlords, and people that are managing uh, properties at the moment. He's just highlighting the fact that um, at the moment, it's very it's very tough in the economy, a lot of of, uh, hard conversations that need to be had between landlords and tenants. He's just saying that uh, unfortunately, um, it's very hard to realistically give so uh, payment holidays or to give some type of debt relief and you know things like that to tenants. And it's also very hard to suspend uh, rental payments because most of the time the property is still held in the na- in the name of a certain tenant um, and the landlord isn't able to um, issue that space out to someone else as a way to make um, their revenue. So, you know, it's very, it's a tough position that everyone is in. The other thing he's also just, uh, you know, highlighting is the fact that there are some uh, smart conversations that people can have, you know, educate yourself and just see what's going on in the market and perhaps um, approach your landlord if you are a tenant um, in a way that both of you can win. So that's been us uh, on the other side of this we continue with the show this is the business buzz you're tuned in to the business buzz so yeah no i think people should not pay rent like mount apple shut down people who are deemed essential are going to work so this should only apply to people who are not going to work 
it could be reduced due to ama hours but yeah they 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 can live so for bona it's talking to your landlord to reduce until a certain point where lockdown uplift you rather than that it drama because i understand economic informal businesses and you guys are qualified for the loan they compensation from the government so small businesses in my smme nama tax shop about our about finish us like some proof of sugarty yeah when we register you whatnot i feel like we're all just being very selfish we're not being selfless in this matter it's like everyone is just blaming the pandemic on each other like no one expected this pandemic to you know to blow up the way it did and it's no one's fault that it's here you know and we just need to we need to be selfless in these matters and understand that this everyone is in business you know everybody is in business banks are in business as individuals we're in business everyone is in business and everyone is just trying to make it through these tough times you know so if you're going to come across as a tenant and not want to pay rent what are your reasons behind not wanting to pay rent especially if you've got the means to pay rent what's the reason behind you not wanting to pay rent is it because you're not occupying a space for example um i'm a student so um it's like it's like saying that um okay uh you're on june holidays you know june holidays are the longest holidays like a month long holidays and okay i'm leaving bramfontein to go home it's 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 almost like saying that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay rent for June because I went home on holidays. It's almost like that. Like where's the logic behind that? You signed a contract, you signed a twelve month lease, not a twelve month lease with a break in between. It doesn't work like that. This is, is a business, this thing. So for people to say that no, we're not gonna pay rent because you're not occupying a space, then why did you sign the contract? that rent that you said you can't afford right now you're eventually going to pay it in installments but i mean like if you've got the means why not do it now the, the business buzz welcome back to the business buzz we've just come from looking at the property sector from the side more on the side of what's going on um, with the landlords property manage property managers and property owners and right now we want to switch our focus to perhaps um hearing about what's going on in the tenant space and perhaps what's going on from uh, the investor point of view because um there are some investors whose entire business is just uh, in the property sector and just wanting to get some insights into what COVID-19 has done and what uh, the sustained period of lockdown may do going forward. Remember that you can engage with us on Facebook. We have our firm, that's Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page, that is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're hash- we are hashtag Business Buzz. And then you can also find our uh, handle that is at Vow FM. So to help us to navigate what uh, the tenant and investors uh, perspective looks like at the moment, we are joined by uh, Keelan Lovu, who is the head of listed property funds at Standlib. Keelan, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us um, on today's show. I guess uh, to just begin with, what have you seen um, on your end? What um, what are some of the developments that have happened in the property sector, I guess, 
since uh, the lockdown actually came into effect uh, because we already know that uh, the property sector, at least in the listed space, was already quite, uh, quite not really in the best place already uh, before COVID-19 started. Yes, so if you look from a listed proper perspective, uh, perspective on the listed property side, we've seen the markets fall. So initially, before COVID-19, they had fallen by about 8 10%, and uh, the sector is down around about 45% uh, for the year, largely driven by concerns around there's no business activity, economic slowdown. And probably the most important thing to highlight is that uh, the retail sector, makes up almost 60% of the property sector. Then you've got the offices and the industrial uh, sector. So most of the pain being felt in the retail space, given limited trading to supermarkets and maybe pharmacies, and then the rest of the tenants not trading, and it gives challenge around rental growth prospects. Now, I think one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest debates that's been, uh, I guess, uh, bubbling under it's been happening right now is this issue of uh, paying rent uh, especially for some of the spaces that are underutilized people have increasingly been working from home during this time um what 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 type of uh, conversations have you heard i guess happening in the space at the moment is there any room you know for landlords to be giving um, I guess, rent payment relief or uh, some type of payment holidays? What are some of the considerations that, um, I guess, tenants, uh, what are some of the risk factors for tenants at the moment? So what we've seen, uh, the property uh, sector has created what we call uh, the property industry group, where they've been negotiating mainly with the, the retailers, mainly the apparel retailers or fashion or clothing retailers. So what has come up initially, had, uh, most of the retailers saying they won't pay rent at all in April. And they got to a point where they're saying they're willing to accept uh, about 80% discount. And the landlords initially were 35%. And now they've come up with an offer that they can offer up to 70% uh, discount on the major retailers. And then some of the smaller businesses, they could give even up to 100%. If you talk about the restaurants, uh, the hair salons, or, um, or takeaway business, which were closed completely. So much bigger discounts for those. And then uh, the bigger retailers, food retailers were trading, they have to pay full rent because they've been operating. And then the office market's still quiet at this stage. You will see uh, probably from next month. I can imagine that with such, uh, such discounts, uh that puts a lot of pressure on revenues. What type of uh, outlook, uh, I guess, can we have for company earnings um, when, whenever, whether it's interim or full year? Because I can imagine that if, especially on the bigger side, if your, your bigger tenants are um, paying 70% less than what they would, does that not put a lot of pressure on uh uh, companies' bottom lines, especially the ones that would have been relying on some of these rental revenues? Yeah, that's the biggest topic right now in the sector. And we've seen most of the companies defer paying out uh, their dividends or distributions, uh, as well as uh, cutting their payout ratios to have some working capital. And most of them have um, uh, cut uh, their, their, their distribution growth outlook 
or pulled off uh, their guidance, earnings guidance, because it's a very fluid uh, um, uh, situation that we are in now, which makes it difficult to focus. Initially, we're looking for about 0% uh, distribution growth, or basically flat for 2020. And that number is could be anywhere between 20 30% uh, decline uh, for, for 2020, if this uh, continues. So you probably see double-digit decline in earnings growth in 2020. Yeah, this is actually quite, uh, it's actually quite a bleak outlook that you are giving. Uh, but for you, I guess just seeing um, things from your vantage point, are we likely to see a return to some of the um, commercial locations? Um, you were talking just now about the different types of businesses that are being given um, relief in terms of uh, paying rent amounts. But are people, do the existing tenants, do you see them 100% going back and occupying their, um, their the properties that they have already been leasing? Or do you see a scaling back by businesses to say, mm, perhaps we could um, do with, let's say, 25% less locations around the country, or perhaps we don't really need um, such a big space in this mall. Maybe we need to cut down. Where do you see that going? So basically, we, we think uh, that uh, the major uh, corporates, over time, as and when the leases expire, you will see that trend where they will require less space due to people working from home. And then in some instances, if you talk about smaller businesses, yes, there are leases in place, but at this stage, it's all about tenant uh, survival. So the landlords will do the best they can to retain uh, tenants or even actually negotiate new terms in terms of some of the leases, most of the smaller businesses, just to keep them uh, going. So there will be negotiations. There will be less demand for office space uh, going forward. It won't happen overnight, but that's going to be the trend, and we're seeing that happen uh, globally as well. Mm. And then I, I guess you've already touched on it slightly. On that global front, uh, what are you seeing um, in, in terms of that picture? that you that you sort of say okay fine maybe in about two or three months time we made all we may also start seeing similar things happening in south africa so most, of, most of the uh, states we've seen is that big corporates you find that uh, they've got the ability to have about 20 percent or so of the workforce work uh, from home so that's been a trend and that's going to be accelerated by the negative impact of uh, the COVID 19 uh, virus so you'll see that trend. It's been happening, but now it's going to happen in a lot, lot quicker. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, very, 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 very bleak outlook. Um, for for the investors out there, um, where do you? What are the prospects for investors that um, have a lot of money? I guess in your uh, real estate investment trusts or um, some of the property funds out there, because as we as we said at the beginning. Um, the sector was already in a bit of a down state, uh, but where things are, because I guess some of the thinking is this is a good time to be, you know, getting into the market. If you have liquidity, a good time to be buying and stuff like that. Um, where do you see those things happening? So if you look at the valuations, we believe they are reflecting most of the bad news. And if you look at where the shares are versus where the asset values are, there's a gap of, of about 50%. So we expect physical property asset values to come down, 
but the listed property market has been uh, way ahead of the listed uh, uh, sector, so or the physical sector rather. And then from a yield perspective, you find that the historic yields or the income paid over the last year on a yield uh, percentage basis, you're looking at about 16 to 18%. And we believe that probably more normalized numbers will be 12 to 14%. So that 12 to 14% will include the potential dividend cuts. And those numbers are above long-term average. So there are opportunities, selective opportunities, you have to focus on companies with low debt levels, with better quality portfolios, with not too much uh, retail uh, exposure, more diversified and into industrial and logistics as well, and even residential over the long term. And then I guess as a follow up to that, uh, do you do you then anticipate that if people um, because you mentioned the fact that there is that trend where we might see, I guess, 20% of people um, then working from home, you know, in a number of different corporates, etc. What does that do in terms of, I, I guess, the spaces that you're seeing in your commercial centers? Does that mean that certain types of buildings can be repurposed that um, what used to be, a let's say, a, a tall building structure you perhaps say in on 20 floors, you perhaps say, okay, fine, the top four floors, we're going to turn them into apartments because um, people aren't, there's no demand for this office space. Um, you know, do you, do you anticipate that, um, I guess, rent prices in the, in the residential sector um, will then, you know, um, stay where they are simply because people can't really go anywhere? Sure, you'll see, that's the trend you've been seeing in, in places like Santon and Rosebank, but not to a big extent, where some of the offices or older office buildings have been converted to residential. So there's opportunities for conversion to residential, as well as uh, storage, self-storage, and uh, schools or hospitals or healthcare facilities as well in some of uh, the buildings. We've seen some of those trends uh, in the global uh, markets but there will be that uh, opportunity for landlords who are creative with the space to uh, take advantage of the opportunities that may arise there. Okay. And then I guess lastly, um, you know, because this is something that, you know, you are looking at and have extensive knowledge on for young people, for our young listeners that are, you know, that are out there, there's always that debate, you know, in your personal life, should you be buying or renting a home? And in uh, for those that are enterprising, you know, should you be looking to get some uh, some office space, you know, make yourself look official and stuff like that? Or should you just work yourself, you know, out of a garage? Do you think COVID-19 and this crisis has um, done something to shift um, some of those debates that young people tend to have? Sure, you're right. Uh, I guess with uh, the days of technology now, you've got lots of uh, people leveraging off technology. You can work uh, anywhere from your coffee shop or from home. And we've been working from home for the last five weeks or so. So you can work from home, but you still need places where people have to meet and uh, interact, so some public spaces. But what we're seeing is that uh, from uh, an investment perspective, residential, I always believe that you can the place that you stay in, you don't see it as an investment, it's your home. And then uh, to be buying a second, third home, but invest in the listed market, which is much uh, more, more liquid.
No, it's a, it's a very interesting discussion coming through. Uh, so that was us with uh, Keelan Lovu, who is the head of listed property funds at Stanlip. He's just giving us a flavor of what's going on in the, in the, in the property sector, uh, particularly for tenants. And he's just talking about the fact that, um, there has been a trend, um, with uh, businesses scaling down the amount of space that they need, uh, particularly in the corporate sector and that COVID-19 is likely going to do a lot um, to accelerate the movement to you know smaller spaces, especially when leases come to an end. He's also just talking about the fact that if you are going to be investing um, in your property in in property or property funds, um, that you should you know that this is a good time to look for um, funds or opportunities that don't have um, too much exposure to um, to the retail sector. He's also just highlighting uh, you know the fact that. Um, right now, because there's so much um, movement towards people, you know, being at home, uh, that they have seen that shift going on with certain office or commercial property being uh, repurposed in some cases um, to becoming used for residential. So that's been it in terms of that. Thank you so much to Keelan for joining us. Um, on the other side of this, we continue. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Now, as I said at the start of the show, we went out and asked you um, how you're feeling about uh, having to pay rent. If you um, have been in town or not in town, how are you managing? Have you been speaking to your landlords? If you're a landlord, you know how you're feeling. And uh, this is what people had to say. Hi. Um, so I'm in the fence when it comes to this question that you're asking as, you know, whether whether people should or, or should not pay for rent, because there's a part of me that one understands that a lease agreement was signed. We entered into a lease agreement with this person. Um, and so they should pay if this month falls within the time period or the time frame for the lease agreement. But there's also another part of me that says um, people might not be earning active, might not be earning income because they are, because of the, the COVID-19 crisis. But there's also another question that I have. Why did people, let's say you're renting in Gauteng, if you're saying that you're not occupying your flat, I'm just going to speak to residential areas. If you're not occupying your residential areas, who is and where did you go? Because it was a lockdown. We were told to not move. So I have all these questions floating around and I need answers to them. Because if people had stayed where they needed to go, perhaps they would not have to ask these questions. Maybe it's because people fled Gauteng, Cape Town and all these other cities and went back home to the rural areas when the COVID hit. Now when you coming into the property sector or the property part of it um we were never prepared and we even never prepared ourselves as um tenants right in regards to even when we are signing our contracts with landlords and agencies and stuff to say okay what if something like this happens because if you were to look at most of um especially in south africa right when you look to look at most of the contracts that we do sign in with landlords and with with agencies and whatnot there's never any clause that states okay if a particular pandemic does hit 
right? These these will be the regulations. This would be what would happen and whatnot. So now it's basically makes it a bit difficult because you've got the landlord and the agents pulling one way and you've got the tenants pulling another way, right? Everyone wanting to get something that would make it make make them comfortable in this situation or in this stance where we are faced with such a pandemic or we're faced with such an issue. Um, as a general rule, you cannot be held liable for a service which you did not receive. So accordingly, um, if you're renting a place, say in town, maybe for commercial reasons, maybe you ran a business or whatever, and say um, due to the lockdown, well, due to the coronavirus, which led to the national lockdown, you are, you are not able to make use of that space which you have rented. So legally, your landlord can't force you to pay rent. Just as a, um, you know, as a general point to start with. Okay. Generally, when performance in terms of a contract becomes physically impossible, one can legally be excused from performance under the aforesaid contract. Accordingly, impossibility is a ground for cancellation of a contract. Fortunately, our law recognizes such exceptional circumstances and has developed legal principles that are aimed at addressing such. One of them being force majeure, which refers to an extraordinary event or circumstance uh, beyond the control of the parties. This is also known as an act of God. Okay, basically, it's an act that happens that you can't really guard against. The, the business does. And with that, we've come to the end of uh, today's Business Buzz show. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening in. Uh, thank you to our experts, our guests, Keelan, together with Kawane, for uh, sharing some insights into the property sector, uh, just giving us the risks and opportunities um, that both landlords, property managers uh, on the one end and tenants and uh, rent payers are feeling on the other end. On my end, it's uh, it's a good thing that South Africa is starting this uh, phased reopening of the economy. Um, the more that people go to work, the more that people can earn uh, is definitely a good thing because, um, as we said uh, previously, 500 billion uh, rand necessitated over a five-week shutdown. Imagine if there was three months of people being at home. But as people go back to work, we just hope and pray that everyone is staying safe out there and just doing everything in their power to respect social distancing and make sure that uh, everyone is doing their part um, to make sure that they stay stay safe themselves and also do their part to make sure that uh, they ensure the health and safety of the others that are around them. Economically, it will be interesting just to see um, how the reopening will, it will work and how it's actually going to happen and how different businesses will react. It would be interesting to get a, a take from industry such as um, the fast food industry, which has been uh, shut down for the last couple of weeks, but now they might be able to start operating, especially fulfilling online orders and the like. Funny enough, I saw something recently where in New Zealand, they literally uh, just came out of uh, their lockdown. They've lifted their lockdown. And one of the first things that happened in that country was that uh, the various McDonald's outlets around the country were inundated with people um, queuing because they hadn't had their fix of McDonald's for the last couple of weeks. So it will be interesting to see how things go.
So that's it for today. Remember that you can engage and follow us on social media. Tell us what you think. Have you been paying rent? What type of agreement have you come up with uh, with your landlord? If you're a landlord, what type of concessions have you been able to make, if at all? Uh, what are the different uh, strains and pressure that you are feeling out there? On Facebook, we are VARFM. That's the voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page that is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're um, at VARFM and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz remember that you can also search for us on iono.fm for our podcasts and other links which are available there and you can also find our other information on vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business so with that we've reached the end of the show uh thank you to our technical producer that is uh, kutlano serami together with our executive producer glory mabuza and our producer slindlem cb don't miss the business by same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of a business. Make sure you also don't turn that down. There's more great content coming up on the VAU FM lineup. So with that, um, I've been with you, uh, Mob Justice Kavaza, and uh, with the rest of the team. And it is good afternoon. It is good evening, wherever you are. And it is take care. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.